Welcome to Replant Bootcamp, the boots on the ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. 180 has just launched two new products that we think could really help your church. Stick around to the end of the podcast to hear more. Back for another episode of Replant Bootcamp, Omni Hotel, downtown Atlanta, AMS training version. Such a good time. We got to hear at the conference earlier from Walker, Texas Ranger, Neil Armstrong, (laughs) the Velvet Hammer, the Silver Southern Tongue himself. Our special boot camp guest today, Walker Armstrong. Man, I am so, I've been so looking forward to this podcast because I love Walker Armstrong. Yeah, full transparency, Bob. Just want to do this just for entertainment. Purposes. The whole training. We just we only did this training. So the we entire get training you here just to get you on a mic. Walker, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in the world of replanting. Uh, so my name's Walker Armstrong. My full name is Lewis Walker Armstrong Jr. So I got called Satchmo a lot growing up as a kid. Didn't appreciate it. Where's your horn? <laughs> Jokes like that. Scarred me for life. Do you play uh, anything? Do you play the horn? No, man. Come on. You know, <laughs> I had no choice. My parents named me that. You know, but so but I've been called Walker all my life. But um, so I'm at the Pilot Mountain Baptist Association. So if you're familiar with Andy Griffith, Mount Pilot, it's the same thing, actually. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andy Griffith was from Mount Airy, North Carolina, just a little north of us. And so they just switched the, the, the name around and made it Mount Pilot. But yeah, oh, Pilot wow. Mountain. Uh, but we're in Winston-Salem, which is the home of Wake Forest University, go Deeks. Yeah. And Winston-Salem State University and go Rams. And so I've you been in- cigarettes. Yeah. And Winston, <laughs> Winston Cup Racing, baby, originated from there. That's right. Hey, you guys, you guys got a lot of stuff going on in so, yeah yeah we do yeah. we do and so i've been in this role uh, right at four years and we really hit the replant lane pretty quickly early on we knew that we had several dying churches but we also knew that we had churches that really wanted to invest one that had just invested in the replanting process and so we just said hey we feel like god's calling us into this we don't know exactly what we're doing but we're going to do something and so i i plugged us uh, immediately into it we created a video for our fall meeting and uh, i'd already read mark clifton's book reclaiming glory loved it was recommending to people and i thought well i'll just I'll send Mark a clip from our video of one of our replanters talking about how it went for him, Nathan Klein. And yeah, it was just a Revo video. Was, yeah, that was yeah. a Revo video. And Mark like called me on the phone. I'd never talked to Mark, emailed Mark. He called me like right back and said, hey, 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 what are you doing right now? And I said, well, I guess I'm talking to you. I mean, <laughs> you know, and so we talked. He said, I got this guy named Bob Bickford. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> said, oh you're dumping me off on Bob oh. Bickford, you know. <laughs> Uh, but he said, hey, you know, do you know that we've got this replant thing? I said, yeah, I've heard of it coming up in the spring. And, you know, he said, yeah. He said, uh, I just want you to talk to Bob about it and send him the link. And so Bob and I got on the phone within a few days and was, were talking about the planning for the first replanter. Yeah, the um, replant practitioner the replant, the very first yeah, ever. very first ever. So mm-hmm. probably less than a month later, we met at Southeastern with, uh, with the gang. And it was a blast. I had a lot of fun. And so, we laughed hard. Oh, my gosh. We cried. Yeah. We wrote yeah. songs. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
didn't sing Kumbaya, but I was a little disappointed in that. But uh, hey, look, you know, this, God is gracious by nature, and that's a good thing for many reasons. But one of them is like, hey, I'm not an expert in this. I mean, you know, we're doing it a little bit, just getting started. But if y'all want me to hang out and entertain everybody, and make everybody laugh, I'll do that. I'll be great. <laughs> so that's what I did. And you know, the first one was just, it was just magical. It was great. And I've been able to, you know, this is my third one and wouldn't miss it for anything. One of the things I love about Walker, his ability to take a very painful experience and make it funny and poignant all at the same time. Yeah. Where you laugh, where you go, oh, that hurt, but I'm laughing about it, but oh, he's right. And so when you, when you do the trainings for us, I think that, you know, you talk about the recommendations, the options for, mm-hmm. for churches and right. it's right after lunch and all that kind of stuff. So we're, you know, most people are expecting kind of, oh, well, you know, a little bit of lull and it's like, it's a highlight. To, to have you talk about that. You. And you mentioned, you you always, you run into lots of characters as you're replanting churches. Is everybody in North Carolina kind of a character like that? In dying churches, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's probably a 98.7% saturation rate of characters in dying churches. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, um, I mean, that's the, one of the challenges we face is people who are associational leaders or pastors mm-hmm. have this pressure to be nice Right. And not speak the truth. Right. Right. But how do you, how do you, how did you come across this style of speaking the truth with some humor, but, but letting it be weighty? Like, have you just always been like that? You know, I, I think that um, I've, I've used humor as kind of a foil for me personally in self-deprecating ways when I was going through difficult times in my own life, just to say, you know, look, you know, don't, make a bigger deal of this than it is, or, you know, everybody's got issues. My dad used to say, you can stand on your head for two weeks if you have to. Hmm. And so just accepting that we have trials and troubles in this life, is just part of all of our lives, all of our existence to one degree or another, getting that on the table and just saying, look, you know, you don't have to feel ashamed that you're going through difficulty, number one, and making light of it a little bit. Sometimes that's blown up in my face. <laughs> yeah. uh, Especially in my marriage at times, uh, <laughs> but y'all, I don't, we don't have time for counseling, do we? Uh, but I mean, but it's 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 a way of just saying, look, you know, I'm there with you. Uh, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying that you know we can exaggerate it to the degree that we we don't have any hope in the situation. And I think humor, well used, can bring back hope. And 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 not taking ourselves so seriously uh, is a big thing. But you know, people are ashamed. They're fearful. Feel, they feel guilt, you know, blame, all those toxic emotions, anger. I mean, they're in all of those. They're, they're you know, on the tachometer of their emotion, they're redlining on all of them. And so you just know that going in. You just accept it. You know, someone's going to say something really offensive, probably going to be pointed towards you, even though this is your very first meeting and you just mm-hmm. met this person, they're mm-hmm. going to say something like that. And you go, well, okay. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That touched my life deeply. How about anyone else have a rebuke for me tonight? I must need one. And I say stuff like that, and you know, a couple that's of people disarming, right? Yeah, yeah. A couple people get stunned faced on one person. And go, oh, that's funny. <laughs> you know? But then say, look, we are in this boat together. Uh, Jesus is still on the throne. He loves his church more than we do, and it's his church. So let's talk this out. That's good. In your work there in North Carolina, you've encountered some guys that have been successful in replanting. Mm-hmm. And so how's your association worked with guys that are replanters? Do the replanters know they're replanters before you start working with them? Do they have a call or, or do you, I mean, tell us about that a little bit. If it wasn't for me, Bob, they wouldn't be able to do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
I'm not trying to be a, a glory hog but while we're at said, it. But yeah. you got to speak yeah, truth. You, gotta speak truth. truth. <laughs> you, you know, no, I really was telling another, another AMS tonight at, at dinner. I said, you know, I think my job is like pouring gasoline on fire. Hmm. I mean, uh, you know, NAM uh, you know, has a great process that we, we use and kind of instructing people on kind of a flow of how things happen. And sometimes we're invited like at the very first part of replanting. Sometimes we're by, invited halfway. Sometimes I've been invited almost at the bitter end of it. Mm. And so you find, try to find out where they are in the process, help them identify it, get a tag on it. And then, you know, what, what I do with replanters is just, just feed them resources, spend time with them. You know, I, I love what Jimbo's doing that we're going to jump more and more into. Uh, and that is really in the end, if you're going to be part of a movement, you got to have an assessment process. You got to have a pipeline. If you're going to be serious about it, just like church planting, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the latest iterations that the NAM replanting team is working on. I think that, you know, that really gets me stoked about that. But it, it, it's a lot of times you have a dying church and then you have a church plant that's doing well. That's kind of a scenario sometimes for us. And they're looking for a facility. And so, you know, you try to, you, you try to be a matchmaker in that scenario. So we've seen four scenarios or versions, some kind of version of replanting in the last five years. We've got three in the pipeline now, and we think there'll be more, but they're all different. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Even we have one church, Revo, that'll be doing their third, and they, they've learned every step of the way and have gotten really good at process, but they pay attention to each unique context in each church, which is encouraging to me because I can always back them up and saying, hey, they're not only ethical, they're not going to push you out the door, but they're going to pay close attention to you. But I think we'll put the video uh, that you referenced in the beginning. So I think that's one of the things that I see or saw in the video. Mm-hmm. The, there's a guy who was, a, he was the song leader and his wife was the organist. And they mean, they've been there for like, you know, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. And he admits that in the video, but also when you see after the, the partnership occurs, he is still there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's still a part of that. Are you seeing, cause that's the big challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Cause if you can replant a church from within mm-hmm. and there's going to be a percentage that's on board and percentage that's not, they're going to leave. Right. And then in your case, when you've got some adoptions or campuses or how, whatever mm-hmm. you call that, there's a percentage that stays and leave. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? But one, I mean, obviously not, you can't, you can't make everybody stay. Right. Right. And you probably don't want everybody to stay. Correct. But, how do you shepherd people real well? What, do, what would you say to the replanters that are looking at that kind of situation? A, uh, don't be in a hurry. You got to let people grieve. That, that's a hard thing to do because grief is messy. Like you were mentioning earlier today, it's, it, it's not linear. Grief is not linear. Someone might be doing well for three months and then have an episode. So, you know, not being in a hurry, letting people grieve is huge in this process. I think the other big thing that we've discovered is in shepherding people that compromise where you can. So one of our replants, they asked, hey, will we be able to keep our senior adult Sunday school class? And so our our replanter said, absolutely. Now, they didn't do Sunday school. They did small groups and homes, um, like a lot of new churches do. They said, yeah, absolutely. You know, what what kind of resources do you need? What what kind of literature are you using? And then on top of that, this replanter said, when's the next senior trip y'all are taking? And he told him, he said, well, I'll drive the van. And they haven't even formally finished the process. So in other words, there was an investment in those seniors even yeah. before the process was completed. And they were like, he, he likes us. He mm-hmm. actually likes hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. So you know, don't be in a hurry, compromise, invest in what's 
what's working. I think of those, those are three big things that come to mind immediately that help, especially shepherding older folks, you know, that have been faithful there, you know, forever and ever and are, are a little cynical and understandably so, you know, worried about the fog machine. Yeah, you they're know? fearful. Yeah. 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 Or other things like, you know, you're not, you're going to get rid of senior ministry or something like that. Yeah. A lot of the people who listen to this podcast, obviously we have different kinds of associational leaders, replanters, people in dying churches that decide to listen to this, but to a, someone in a dying church or a replanter, what is the value? Uh, and not everybody's SBC, but in our mm-hmm. tribe of Southern Baptists, we have local associations. And so for those that have a local association, what's the benefit? What's the advantage? What would you tell somebody either a member of a dying or struggling church or a starting out replanter, potential replanter, church planter considering this, what's the value in bringing that conversation to an associational leader? Well, these days, I think the big add-on is what we're, what's, what's happening through NAM. It's been training and resources provided for this very thing. And the folks that have been fortunate enough to be uh, part of it now have this resource or really resources to bring the bear. So it's, you know, a few years ago, if you were a novice at it or you didn't know much about it, it was more like, uh, well, hopefully they'll trust me, you know, to be a friend, but there's some expertise now in it, especially in our tribe, I think. Uh, the other thing is, is networking. You know, if you have relationships with a number of churches, you know, even beyond our own tribe within the community, you know, and one church is looking to locate in a new building or that there's a church that's dying and they say, what kind of partner can we bring on board? A hardworking AMS can start working the networks to get them options. So I think that networking part is huge and the resource part of it's huge and an outside voice that's not emotionally entangled with all these issues. Mm-hmm you know, someone that can say, look, you know, I care about y'all and I I care about what happens, but let me tell you some things I've observed in our two meetings together that I see. An AMS uh, can bring in assessment tools to let the people assess themselves, which is a huge deal for me uh, in my background that, you know, people can argue with you when you give them an assessment and it's yours, like a consultant or something. But when they assess themselves, you just say, hey, this is your voice, not mine. Yeah. And that's huge early on. But I think those things of resources and networking, huge in that process. What are some of the inherent challenges that you face in working with a, a long-term de- dying and declining church? So you, you go in and mm-hmm. they make the phone call, Walker, mm-hmm. we, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. Concerned about the church site. Mm-hmm. So you go in and, and what, what are some, some of those common challenges that you face and, and some of the other guys are facing across the North America? In many of these situations, what we've discovered so far, and it, you know, we're still learning, man, still learning on the fly, is many of these churches, unless they're at the bitter end, financially they're sound and they have no debt and they have money in the bank, typically. So that gives them a false sense of security. Uh, and I mean, practically speaking, I understand that they could say, well, we can hire some supply preacher, by vocation guy just to fill the pulpit, and we can keep rocking on with our little system mm-hmm. that we've had in place for 111 years. You know? mm-hmm. So the idea that you are meeting together, that that is what the church is. Uh, So your ecclesiology uh, or bad ecclesiology gets in the way of really rightfully assessing where you are. I I like what Alan Hirsch says, and I I teach this a lot. So you should start with Christology, who Jesus is, uh, what he's done for us. But in the North American church, what we typically do is we go immediately to ecclesiology. How do we organize? Mm -hmm. And then the missiology. When in actuality, the New Testament teaches that Christology, missiology, then ecclesiology. 
And so I've kind of worked that out for people. You know, it's not that the church has a mission. It's the mission of God has a church. Mm-hmm. And when you start thinking around that a little bit practically, you go, yeah. And so then you can nudge people lovingly into saying, the church that's not on mission is not being a church. Mm-hmm. It's a hard pill to swallow, but you've got to get them to accept that one major point before you can go anywhere further with them, that you are not on mission with God. You're good people. You have been on mission with God in the past. You mean well. I can point out some great qualities. But when we talk about the Great Commission, it ain't happening. And if the Great Commission ain't happening through you, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a 1,000 or you're 15. It's, it's, you're missing your, you know, your, your purpose for being. I, that's a big thing I run into is, is, is a, a bad ecclesiology getting in the way. The other thing I run into is denial. I don't know how else to put it other than denial is. Monty Python in the search of the Holy Grail, you know, the, the, the night of knee. It's just a flesh wound, you know, you know, and, I, and I'm like, bring out your dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come back, you cowards, you know, and I'm, I'm like, and so I have churches going like, just like Mark Clifton shared this morning, you have nine people going like, but we're not dying. We're not yeah. dying. Yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. our meeting age is 101, but we're good. We're good. I think denial is one of those things we see mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. It really, um, I'm less disturbed by it. I'm still slightly disturbed. Um, but when you first start doing this stuff and you, you have somebody just look you square in the eye and, and you hear this denial, you're, you're just like, okay, put your poker face on right now because what I'm <laughs> thinking inside is that you fell on your head when you were a baby and you've got issues. You know? um, you know, it's, this is, you know, this is, you know, I had one church tell me, you know, we're a missional church. I said, okay, uh, unwrap that for me. Tell me what the, well, we got these two ladies sitting right here. You see those two ladies walk around? I said, I see them. They, they go to Vietnam and hand out tracts. And I said, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, what else do you do? Well, we, you know, we put pennies in bottles for the Pregnancy Life Center. I said, that's great. That's fantastic. I said, but now I'm going to break something down for you. <laughs> and so when I say that, yeah, something's getting ready to happen because <laughs> no, I love how you sing. Uh, I said so. Uh, behind you is the largest concentration of lost single adults in all of Winston Salem. Wow. What are you doing about that? And one guy said, "Well, we open our doors at eleven o'clock." I said, "It's not the answer I'm looking for." Yeah, I said. So you think the twenty-nine-year-old tatted-up lost dude that's got a hangover on Sunday morning says, "Wow, I haven't been to a Baptist church." And forever. That's what I think I'm going to do today. I just hope the doors are unlocked. Yeah, I hope they're unlocked because if I'm 11, it's 1110. That's the security protocol. 1110, lock them. It's the truth. And so, so what happened, you know, was that I just said, look, you know, you know, the first word in the Great Commission, get ready. This is, this is revolutionary. It's go. So how's God calling you to go that? Well, we don't know how to do that. I said, well, we can talk about how to do that. Yeah. And I can help you look into doing that, but you're not missional. Yeah, his mission shift is one of the things we see, and that plays out in some funny ways, like locking the doors at eleven ten, yeah, uh, or things like that. What? So, just for my own entertainment, mm-hmm. asking two guys who have consulted far more churches than I have, what's been the funniest? You've not asked for my success rate, but <laughs> <laughs> what's the funniest or most interesting evidence of mission shift that you have seen? when or heard of when walking into a church. So when people panic, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I was taught life saving 
611 years ago. <laughs> One part of life saving, we were at the deep end of the pool. The instructor threw a, a kind of a floating dummy, a version of a floating person, and said, okay, what's your first step? And I said, jump in the water. He said, uh, wrong answer. He said, first look through for a flotation device. And he said this to me, I'll never forget. He said, a grandmother will climb their grandchild to survive. Mm -hmm. And so what happens in these situations is the way churches panic is they look for some magic bullet. Uh, typically, I hear this a lot. We need young people in here. Mm -hmm. Walker, yeah. can you go find us a youth minister? Right. And I said, absolutely. What are you looking for? You know, skinny jeans. You know, I start and people just kind of look at me kind of, I'm just kidding. You know, I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, uh, you know, 36 years old with 40 years experience. What do you, what do you, what do you yes. want? You know, married, and, um, yeah. you know, married three beautiful children, good, you know, you know, but so, can survive on $12,000 yeah, yeah, a year, $12,000 a year and, and, and praise God for it. Yeah. In your presence. So I, what I just say is, is that, the natural way to reach people. And eventually people come around, but they're looking, um, plug in, get us a preacher, get us a youth minister. Hey, the church down the street did divorce care. You think you could help us start a divorce care ministry? And it's all a means to an end, which is to prop up the institutional dying church. Mm -hmm. The older I get, the more blood I get. Maybe that's not a good thing, but I just go, no, I'm not going to do that because that's really not what you need. You know, when I was younger, I'd go, let's walk through that. You know, I just don't walk through it anymore. I go, no, I'm not doing it. I mean, I'm not your guy. You know, I will absolutely. Time is short. Yeah, yeah, that. please. And, yeah. but I, that's what I find a lot of times is the missional shift is go get us a position or yeah. go get us a person. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that comes to my mind is a, a church that's in the metro area. That's a smaller dwindling church. It's got a really good piece of property in a growing community in a suburb. And so their solution for, uh, or their mission was viability, or survive, I should say survivability. Mm -hmm. How do we, as a dwindling aging congregation, survive? And the, the, the answer was, we'll go get a loan, and with that loan, we'll hire a young guy to come in here, and the young guy will help us reach people and then we'll pay back that loan. That was option one. Option two was we'll sell this building, which was a building that could seat, you know, a couple hundred people. And then we'll take this small group, this core group of adults, uh, of senior adults, and then we'll just go replant ourselves in a storefront and just try to, because we just, we'll try to replant that way. And both of those were kind of no's, right? In just terms yeah. of like, you're, you, like, what in the world leads you to believe that that's going to help your church reach people and be on mission. Mm -hmm. And so I think when survivability, uh, survival becomes the mission, you, you start thinking crazy. So it's, it's climbing the, climbing the grandchild, mm -hmm. right? Well, we'll sell mm -hmm. the building, right? Yeah. And, and what, that's one of the things I, I grieve when older congregations sell a building that was purchased with yesterday's dollars because mm -hmm. they can't buy that building with today's dollars no. anymore. No. And so then you lose a property to a development or, a, mm -hmm. you know, whatever kind of a, facility that would buy that or clear it, you know, knock it down or whatever. So churches get off mission when they're just trying to survive. We're called to thrive, right? Right. And, and we're overcomers by power. So the message of the gospel is I was once dead, but now I'm alive. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. when the church forgets that, they forget the power of Christ to resurrect us mm -hmm. from our sins and mm -hmm. to transform us. They forget the power of Christ to help their church. That's right. But we have to always respond in faith to experience salvation, mm -hmm. right? To, to experience redemption and mm -hmm. transformation. And so the church that looks at pragmatics and stop gaps, mm -hmm. stops exercising faith. That's true. All right. So last thing, 
when you sit down, have a cup of coffee with a young pastor uh, or a pastor of a struggling church, going to the replanter uh, to close this out, what one piece of advice, wisdom, do you try to make sure you get through to his head before you leave? A question I've been asking people lately, just uh, of any pastor or spiritual leaders, how's your soul? because we leave from who we are, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? And when you get down to it and replanting and revitalization is grueling work. Even when the Lord is powerfully at work, it's still grueling work. I mean, the pastorate is grueling work when you do it right. And, and so I, I think that, you know, if, if a person is growing in their relationship with Christ, if there's richness there in their own soul, it's going to have a positive impact upon their wife and kids, right? They're going to be ministering not out of a deficit, but out of some abundance in their life, even if things are hard. If their soul is struggling, they can have incredible leadership capabilities, but they're going to run out of gas. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets dangerous, yeah. you know? or you can have a moral failure, uh, or you can just check out a ministry. Just, you know, one day you announce to everybody, I'm moving to Alaska and I'm going to go king crab fishing. A friend of mine did that, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, he literally did that. Seriously? He, like, he seriously did that uh, from several years ago. Just He just left his family with king crab fishing. Did he die? Or no, 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 not the last I'd heard. But I mean, it's eventually he and his wife got divorced. But it was just kind of like, how do you go from I'm pastoring to I'm king crab? But there, there's a gap there, I think. Call me crazy, but there's a gap between those two. Career paths. I think there's more than it. You know, and, and so, but I mean, you know, for me, and I ask myself this question is in ministry is how's my soul? Yeah. Because I think beyond, there's so many advice for me is contextual. Yeah. One guy needs to hear preach, pray, love, stay. Uh, another guy needs to hear, you know, are you, are you discipling young men? Yeah. You know, like, like Mark talks about. Um, but for me, like the fundamental part of it lately has become how, how, what's your soul like? Because I'm telling you, when you ask somebody a question, it fakes them out. And mm-hmm. I like doing that because I'm kind of mean. And so, like, you know, they're, ex- they're expecting me to give them, here are the six points to grow a successful oh, replant. Man. I go, how's your soul, man? They go, oh, 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 oh. What? Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's not so good, is it? Yeah. You know? You know? And so, um, and, and then you can have rich conversations. That's the key thing. I think when we we've talked about if you lean too heavily on solely pragmatics Mm -hmm. that's a soul-sucking process yeah Uh, especially when when it doesn't work yeah especially (laughs) when it doesn't work when you do that and you look out and you go this is not Mm -hmm. but even when it does work it it seems like you're never satisfied Mm -hmm. you you, like you you accomplish whatever goal and then you just create another goal and you never you never you never Mm -hmm. think okay well you know great i did it uh, so you never get that mm-hmm. carrot at the end of the stick. You That's just right. you just keep running. Yep. There's a quietness and a stillness in the soul of a man who has found his foundation truly mm-hmm. on Christ. Yeah. That I love. I was reading in the Psalms the other day. It says, "And he is not afraid of bad news." Mm. And I read that in the Psalms the other day, and I thought, "Wow, what a what a great place to be at spiritually." Mm-hmm. That's big. Mm-hmm. That you're you're not afraid of bad news. Yeah, that's powerful. You bring all the bad news you want. My foundation is firm. Yeah. Uh, and you can't shake it. That's mm-hmm. right. So, Walker. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. For being with us, man. Always a, a pleasure. As always, we want to thank our sponsor, 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. And they've launched two awesome new products that help churches, church plants, church replants. The first one is called Launchpad. 
It's an all-in-one custom branding and website bundle developed specifically for church planters, replanters, and revitalizers who need, who need to get things moving quickly. The second is Church QuickSite. It was created for churches working with tight budgets and can help them get an amazing new website in as little as one week at an affordable price. Check out 180.church. That's O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about these special new offerings and how 180 can help move your church forward.